Well, good morning, 10 a.m. How you doing this morning? Oh, man. Forget that gray, gross weather outside. Y'all brought some energy in here today. It's so good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. I'm so glad that you were here. As Patrick said, today is Baptism Sunday, and we have so much to celebrate And you have no idea why it is that God brought you here, why you pushed through all that you had to push through to get here today. You have no idea what God's going to do in your heart, through your life, and maybe in these waters for you uh, today. So we're so, so, so excited that you are here. Uh, Before I get into the teaching for today, I want to give you an opportunity to do something we do here every week. We take a moment to pause and respond to God's goodness, God's faithfulness in our life by giving back to him. And the whole idea of this is that it just, it comes from a place in our heart when we look over the landscape of our life and we go, man, God is faithful. I may not have all that I want, right? But I have more than I need. And I just want to respond out of faithfulness. This last week, I was writing notes to folks that are, you know, faithfully, joyfully giving here at this church and thanking them for their faithfulness. And was just struck with this thought that, Every person who says yes to God in that way, to trust him with their resources, is a stakeholder in the vision of this church. You're you're invested in the work of this local church. This last week, we had 175 folks show up on a Tuesday night to ask spiritual questions about God at Alpha. How cool is that? There's rooms full of people and spiritual conversations. This week, I'm kicking off a four-week course on the Bible, and we're helping people dive in deeper to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I think about all the small groups that are launching. Mine kicks off this week as well, and I'm so excited. All of that is made possible because of your little act of faithfulness, your, your act of trust in God. You have no idea what God wants to do through that, and so I just want to say thank you to those of you who give, and I want to invite anyone who wants to be a part of this vision, not a spectator, but a participant in it, to do so joyfully as God leads you to do. So three ways you can give, uh, old school in the buckets, um, or if you can uh, give online, that's how the majority of our church gives, you can text to give or check the website behind me. I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward right now so that you have a chance to respond to God's goodness. And as they do, we're going to have you multitask, all right? So as you are responding to God's goodness I want you to think about this question. This is a question. It's real simple. You ready? How did you get here today? How did you get here today? Now, all right, some of you are like, Uber, right? I got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Let's push a little past that, right? Because let me explain the question that I'm asking. How did you end up at this point in your life? That's what I mean. How did you end up in this city? What are all the events that led to you showing up here on a rainy, gray Sunday morning? Like, how did you get here? Have you ever stopped to consider all that went into you getting to this very moment? Now, we've been talking for the last couple weeks in this teaching series called The Long Game about what it means to have a lifelong relationship with God. What does it mean to follow God and say yes to him over the course of your life? Because that really is, as we've talked about, that is what life is. It's a long game. And all along the long game, we have opportunities to say yes and to say no to God. And if you've ever thought about how it is that you've got to where you are today, it's this. It's yeses and nos. Some to God, some to just opportunities or circumstances around you. I think for a lot of us, I think we already know this, right? You know that what we want life to be like is this, right? Whenever we say yes to God, it's up and to the right. How many people have been walking with God for more than a year can say, it ain't like that? Say, it ain't like that. 
It's not like that, right? Lots of times what we find in our life with God is that it is a series of yeses and nos, and that is how the long game goes. And so if you were to ask me the question, how did you get here today? Well, I'd have to take you back over 25 years ago. I was 20 years old. And I had this sense, this calling, I don't know, I've only had a few of these in my life, but it was clearly from God that the trajectory of my life was going to change and I was going to give my life to the work of the local church. I was studying to be a school teacher, that plan was all laid out for me, but I had a moment at that moment to say yes, and so I had a pivotal moment, so I said yes to God, yes, I will do that. And then I realized, okay, I'm not like studied or prepared for this, I think you have to know some stuff to be able to do this. And so I need to go find a Bible college to go to a Bible college. And so what it led me to do was say yes to coming out to Chicago to visit a Bible school here in the city. And while I was at that school, on the very first day, I met the most amazing woman that totally changed my life. I met Jeannie on the very first day that I was on that week-long visit to this school in Chicago. And I fell in love with her instantly. And she fell in love with me eventually. And so, so... So I had, a, I had a, a, a yes or no. Do I express to her in a non-stalkery way how interested I am in her, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a yes or it's a no decision. And so I told her about my feelings. And so I told her about how I felt about her. And then I, it was up to her. She could have a yes or no. She could say, no, nah, I'm good or yes. And so we continued on in our relationship. And, uh, and then when I got back to California where I was living or I grew up and I said, okay, man, I, this is it. God is, I think he's leading me to Chicago and, and the, this woman that I want to be in a relationship with. And so you know that I said yes to going and moving to Chicago right away, right? Yeah. Nope. I said, no, I said, no, I don't want to go. It's cold there. God, it's so cold there. And so I spent a year and a half of my life trying to come up with a better plan than God's. Now, eventually I said yes to him and moved here to Chicago. We got married and that led to all kinds of other yeses and no's along the way. But if you would ask me, how did I get here? I'd have to take you back 25 years ago. And it was a series of decisions, opportunities, invitations from God for me to say yes or no to him. Now, all the way back here, 20 years old, when I got that calling, you know, to give my life to the local church, do you think I saw any of this? No way. I couldn't have imagined this. I couldn't have imagined y'all. I couldn't imagine what our life would be like. I didn't see the whole picture. I just saw the next step. And that really is what the long game is made up, is these next step, yeses and nos. Am I going to say yes and respond to God or no and not? And at any point along the way, you know what the truth is? It is at any point along the way with my yeses and nos, God didn't love me any more or any less. God's like, oh, you said no? Pfft, well, you're out. That's not how it works. God, God's love never changed for me. But the closeness that I experienced with God, the alignment that my life was in with God did change with every decision that I make. Does that make sense? This is why I think the famous French philosopher Albert Camus said this. He said, this is what life really is. The long game really is this. Life is just the sum of all your choices. It's true, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's actually what it really is. Life is the sum of all of your choices. The long game is the sum total of your yeses and nos to God. It's not what you want it to be. Life is not what you hope it would be. For those of us who've lived maybe a little bit more life than others around here, life is not what you thought it would be, is it? Your life is the sum total of your yeses and nos to God. It's not just that you want to grow. It's not just that you want to pray more. It's whether or not you're actually willing to do so. 
Because if you've been around here for a little while, you, you've heard me say this is not a new message. I've talked about this before. Your decisions, every one of, of your decisions, that's what determines your direction in life. Your decisions actually determine your direction. Again, it's not hopes, it's not wishes, it's not any of that sort of stuff. Wanting, it's what you're actually willing to do. Are you willing to say yes to God? Because your decisions actually determine your direction. In, in other words, your, your yeses and nos matter more than you know. They matter because that in the end is what your life is actually made up of. And you have no idea. You just have no idea the power of what one yes to God can do in your life. I had no idea. I had no idea. Just saying yes to God, even though it didn't make sense, I didn't have it all figured out, how that would change the trajectory of my life. And I want to show you what I mean, the power of a yes to God in real time, what it can look like and how it can not only change your life, but change the life of, of others as well. So I want you to grab a Bible. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8. I want you to grab a Bible and go to Acts chapter 8. If you have a Bible with you or you got it on your phone, Acts chapter 8. If not, in the Soul City Bible, there's one right under your seat or on your armrest. Why don't you grab that and turn to page 890. Page 890 in the Soul City Bible will get you to Acts chapter 8. I love the story we're going to look at here today, and it totally is appropriate for what we're about to celebrate and experience together as a church. Acts chapter 8. Let me give you some quick context as to where we're coming at in the story. This is after the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus back up into heaven. This is shortly after all of that. The first church has begun and these first followers of Jesus were some of the first leaders in the first church and they were spreading this message of the transforming life and love of Jesus. And one of those young leaders was a person named Philip. And Philip had a zeal. He just wanted to like share about this, how his life had been changed by Jesus and all that he had done. So we're following Philip through this story, okay? In Acts chapter 8, we begin with him. Let's start actually in verse 26. Uh, now, an angel of the Lord, <laughs> that's important, but you don't hear that a lot. An angel of the Lord actually said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, this is really important because in this moment, Philip had a yes or no decision, right? An angel says, I want you to go south on the road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Didn't tell him anything else at this point other than that. And so he had a yes or no decision. Real quick, good rule of thumb. When an angel tells you to do something, <laughs> probably do it. You should probably just say yes and actually do it. And so that's what we see here in this text. It says in verse 27, so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had actually gone, this Ethiopian man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting on the side of the road in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, what do we know here? We know that Philip has said yes to going, just this first yes said yes to going, and he sees that at the same time, what he didn't know and couldn't have conceived was that there was another person on the road, this Ethiopian man. What do we know about him? Well, if he's from Ethiopia, that means he's far from home. He traveled a great distance to worship in Jerusalem. He's probably on his way back home, and the text tells us that he was in charge of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. He was the minister of finance for a powerful, 
you know, power in the world at that point. So he is a person of great influence, of great power. And the text tells us that he's sitting there in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, which was not easy to get a copy of in those days. Typically, the holy scrolls that were read from during worship were actually only owned by priests and stayed in temples. And so here he is somehow. He has the book of Isaiah and he's reading through it. And Philip comes up to him in that moment. And you got to be thinking if you're Philip, okay, is this is this why you told me to go this way? Is this it? I don't know. Is this, am I supposed to go talk to him? And so then we find out, verse 29, next up, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, and I love this, and stay near it. I love that. Go to that chariot and just be around it. Now again, Philip had another decision. Go to the chariot and be near it. What? What does that even mean? What, how am I supposed to even do that? And you can imagine, you know, the, the spirit is saying to him in this moment, like, look, here's all I, just go over there. You're going to be like a low-key stalker. Like, I want you to, like, be close, but not too close, right? Kind of be interested, but not too interested. Just, Philip, just go near and don't be weird, right? That's kind of, that's just a good, good rule of, of life for following God. So this, honestly, in this moment is how so many of the yes and no decisions and invitations we have from God goes. Rarely, rarely, rarely do we have the whole picture. Often all we have is the next step, right? That's all Philip has, is the next step. Go near it. Okay, I'll just go near it. We'll see what happens next. But look, <laughs> look at how Philip goes near it. Verse 30, then Philip, what does it say? Then Philip ran. Say it again. Then Philip ran. Clearly he did not get the memo about not being weird. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man was reading the Isaiah, the prophet. And this is what he said. He just goes for it. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Does any of this actually make sense to you? I love his response. He runs up to him. In other words, it's yes with an exclamation point. He's like, awesome. I'm on it. And he runs into that next step with God. And so he asked him, do you understand the book of Isaiah? And if you've ever read any of the book of Isaiah, it's a valid question. A lot of prophecy, a lot of imagery, and without context, it can kind of seem confusing, very confusing. And this is exactly what the Ethiopian leader says, verse 31. How can I? He responded, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up into his chariot. You have to imagine, there's probably a lot of fans. This is an official guy, right? Invites him to come up into his chariot and sit with him. And so what Philip does is he goes on to explain to him over the next couple verses. He explains to him what the prophet Isaiah was talking about hundreds of years ago, before this moment that they're having, hundreds of years before Jesus, how all of it was pointing towards Jesus, how Jesus was at the center of God's grand redemptive arc for the world. And he begins to kind of break down this book of Isaiah, these prophecies about Jesus to this man that he had never met before this moment. Jump down to verse 38. I love this. As they traveled along the road, so this is not just like a five-minute thing. Like they're now on a journey together, right? As they traveled down along this road, they came to some water. And this Ethiopian leader said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and this Ethiopian leader went down into the water and Philip 
baptized him right there. This is a powerful moment. Do you think when Philip woke up that morning that he imagined that he would be in the chariot of an official from a foreign land leading him into a relationship with Jesus and baptizing him before lunch? Do you think he had that in mind? No, of course not. How could he have possibly imagined that? He just kept saying yes to him. And because of his yes that he said, this Ethiopian leader was actually able to say yes to Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The compounding effect of your yes, the exponential effect of your simple little yes to God, having no idea what the whole big picture is, but just saying yes to this next step. We don't know what this Ethiopian leader's relationship was with Jesus. Did he knew him or if he didn't know him, how much he knew about him? We just know that when he heard about who this Jesus is, he saw water on the side of the road and he said, why wouldn't I get baptized right here, right now? I love that kind of response. This is why we, as best we can, try and not complicate baptism around here. Because really all it comes down to, all you really need is Jesus, water, and witness. That's it. You don't need to overcomplicate it. This text breaks it down. That's all they had. That's all they needed in this moment. And we got to see because of Philip's yes, this Ethiopian leader was actually able to say yes. Imagine if in the morning... When Philip heard from the angel, hey, I want you to start, just go on this road, and I'll tell you what comes next later. Just go, imagine if Philip was like, oh, I was going north, I was going, oh, me and the boys are going to hang today, oh, my wife said I have to be home at five, can we do this tomorrow, I'm clear next week, I like have an open week next week. Imagine if he would have hemmed and hawed and pushed off and prolonged his, yes, he would have 100% missed this moment, and this Ethiopian leader might have missed his moment with Jesus. You have no idea. What can happen when you just say yes? And then I want to I just wrap up the story because I love how it ends. It ends with a bang. Verse 39. I love what happens. So Philip baptizes him right there in this roadside baptismal. This baptizes him right there. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Wait. What? Like, what just, no, wait, go back and read that again. He just took him away, like, he's just gone, like, comes out of the water, gone. I don't know if he, like, zapped him out of there. I don't know if Philip just ran off like he ran up. Like, I don't know what the scenario is. All I know is that when that moment was done and he came out of the water, Philip, he gone. Like, he just gone. (laughs) And the Ethiopian leader just said, awesome, and just started praising God and going, living in his new life with him. This is such a powerful Story, such a great example of what we see through Philip and this Ethiopian leader of what can happen when you just say yes. When you just say yes. And what they reveal to each of us, what we see in that text is all that really God wants for you. What, what is it that God wants for my life? What am I supposed to, what's my life supposed to be about? You want to know what it's about? Simply put, this is all that it's about. God just wants your yes. And nothing less. Don't overcomplicate it. God just wants your yes. That's it. And nothing less. He wants your wholehearted yes to him. However big or small it may seem to you, God just wants your yes. To say yes to him. To say yes to his gift of salvation. To say yes to his invitations to transformation. To say yes to experiencing his life-saving, life-changing love. To say yes 
to extending that love to others, to say yes to whatever prompting or nudging he may give you, to to say yes to letting go of old habits and patterns that have actually kept you at a distance from experiencing the love of God. Just say yes. And the powerful thing is this. This is what Philip was able to communicate to this Ethiopian leader, what we see woven throughout the whole story of the Bible, is that God has actually already said yes to you. That's who Jesus is. Do you know that Jesus is God's yes to you? And he doesn't wait for you to get it all figured out. He doesn't wait for you to get all cleaned up. He doesn't wait for you to get all the answers to all of life's questions. Before you could even say yes or no to God, God said yes to you. And he gave his son. And what Jesus did while he was on this earth, you want to guess what he did? He just kept saying yes to, Jesus, to the Father, yes to the Father, yes to the Father, obedient even to death, death on the cross. Yes, 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 yes to you. God has actually already said yes to you so that you could just say yes to him. So that you could just say yes to him. And what we want to do is just give you an opportunity to do just that today, to just say yes to Jesus, to just say yes to how God is prompting or nudging you in this moment. We want to give you the opportunity to see and experience what a yes to God looks like in real time. And we're going to do that today through celebrating baptism. We're going to just have an opportunity for each of us to say, yes, I affirm that Jesus is my yes and that new life is actually made available through him. This is why we say this all the time around here. What we're about to see and experience is what uh, transformation looks like in public. You're going to see what all that we talk about. You know, our mission here is leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. You're going to see what that actually looks like here today. And have the opportunity yourself to respond. And maybe, just maybe today, is your day to say yes to baptism.